For those who don't know who I am, my name is Brett Huey, and I'm one of the pastors on staff. In fact, my title is Pastor of Operations, so I am the poo around here. Um, I just tell everyone what to do. <laughs> so um, we didn't mean for that to happen. Well, Curtis says he didn't mean for that to happen, but that is my title here. And one thing that I have discovered um, this past couple of months is this. I'm understanding the whole concept of faith versus control and how you can't have both of them. And if you're a parent who has a child who's driving or maybe they're left the house now or married or have kids, you understand this, but I'm just now stepping into it, fully understanding what it means. Because my oldest daughter, she's 15, she's at the ski trip and she now has her learner's permit. And faith control, I can't have them both. Because our first day, I was going to let her drive just about four blocks to her house. And four blocks. And I think I grabbed the steering wheel from her at least a dozen times. <laughs> and But now we have a couple of hours of drive time with her. And she was able to go get her learner's permit. And so we've been driving. And then on the way home, the whole family was in the car. I'm like, okay, now's your shot. I really want you to show your mom and your brother and sister how well you've been doing. And so we pulled up and I pulled over in Hobby Lobby because we live by, behind Hobby Lobby and we're about five blocks away. And so I got out and said, it's your turn. And so I step out and she gets in. I get in the back seat, which first off, that was a big mistake. <laughs> the passenger seat, I can at least grab the steering wheel. Back seat, no control. And it's funny is that her brother, Jude, who's eight, he's been so excited for her to turn 16 because all he's been telling us is, hey, when, when we just feel like getting a Coke, we're gone. <laughs> and it was really funny. As soon as Kennedy started pulling out, Jude's in the back seat going, oh no, oh my gosh, I'm not, this is scary. <laughs> Fear <laughs> came over him. And we take off and I'm watching my wife in the passenger seat and she's doing pretty well. She's not showing it, but you know, I know. She, I can see it in her eyes and she's just not looking at the road. She's just not looking. <laughs> it was great. And so we're going, she's doing a great job. Okay. She's doing a great job. And then we get on our block. We come up to a stop sign and there's this main road here. And then our house is right there. But this is like a very main road going through Belmar there. And I wasn't even thinking that the school just got out and the school's right there. So it's like lots of traffic. <laughs> there's cars right here. There's cars right here. And now like, you know, when we came up to the stop sign, it was one of those moments where all these cars were coming. There's a car parked here, a car parked here. And you got to like, wait for these to come by so then you can get around. Well, she just went and this car was coming. So she was like hugging it. And my wife's like, ah! you know, it's kind of like she's moving, thinking she's going to avoid it, <laughs> you know, type thing. And we're at the stop sign. And I just told her, I'm like, if you're going to go, go now. <laughs> and she takes off. And as soon as she hits the steering, the gas pedal and takes off, Jude, you <laughs> in the background, oh no. <laughs> it was greatness. And I look at my youngest daughter, Scarlett, four in the passengers on the, her car seat. And she's going. <laughs> and we made it. We got into the driveway. And let me tell you, my daughter, she did great. She did everything she was supposed to. But fear came over us. It was one of those moments we got out of the car. And we're just like hitting the ground, like kissing the ground. Thank you, Jesus. We made it. And then I get over. And I get to this, my daughter, my youngest daughter's door to unbuckle her from her car seat. And I pull her out. And if you've seen pictures, she's one of the same of my oldest. I mean, it's like looking in the mirror. The two are the same. So then the memory of Kennedy just came flying over me. 
And I just remember when she was this age, it was just like that. It was, I blinked and now she's driving. Are you kidding me? And all I could think is, man, if, can we just go back when it was just my wife and I and her for just a little bit in our not little small 900 square foot home? Can we just go back to there? Because it was very easy then. It wasn't so scary. And then that's when I really started to think. Have you ever noticed that as soon as we begin to step into our future, we p- begin to glorify our past? We're, we're like, I want to go back. And it's like, you want to go back? You want to go back? I mean, you think about like the Egyptians. When as soon as the Egyptians, the Israelites, as soon as they left Egypt and they're in the desert, what do they do? They say, I want to go back. And they're like, Moses is like, you want to go back to Egypt? They're like, yeah, it was comfortable there. Oh, it was comfortable. But we didn't know and realize that freedom isn't free. And in order for you to reach your promised land, you're going to have to walk through some stuff. And I'll tell you, church, nothing about your future is behind you. And, and I'll tell you right now in the world today, it's easy to look around and find bad things. It's easy to look around and not find anything good. But I will tell you, nothing was good back then either. I kind of kid around and say a long time ago, and people say, I want to go back. Well, it was bad then. They just didn't know about it. They didn't have social media like we do. They found out later as they got older just how bad it was, right? And right now, it's easy for us to complain. Really easy. We can point fingers and we can even check out. And I really don't want to be rude or inconsiderate because I know this past few years has been really tough. And all of us have experienced loss somehow, a lot of pain. But I will tell you, every now and then it's good for us to be hit with something strong to put us back to our knees to refocus us. Right? We need to be refocused every now and then. Because right now, more than ever, the world is searching for something even people, young, young adults who were raised in the church are now looking elsewhere. And they are searching for some hope and for some love. And through all this time, we might, even ourselves might find ourselves running around, trying to find the miracle, trying to find something to help us to get through the season of some type of miracle. But the, what the real miracle might be is that we just keep showing up. We might just need to keep showing up. Today, we're going to be reading about a man who was, who's faced with a lot of life decisions. And then we read about a, scripture, a certain time of his life where he was faced with a huge moment where God was calling him to sacrifice something that he loved. And that's the question maybe for all of us this morning is maybe God's calling us to a place where we need to sacrifice something that we love to help us refocus to what's most important. Today, we are reading about Abraham found in Genesis. And all of us know about Abraham and how God found him as one of the most righteous. And that he gave Abraham a promise that he would be the father of all nations. And all through Genesis, God tasked Abraham one after another and after another said, Hey, Abraham, won't you pack up all your family and all your belongings and go over here? Hey, Abraham, why don't you do this? Hey, Abraham, can you do this for me? And then guess what? Now I know you're well aged, but you're gonna have, your wife is gonna have a child. But you just have to believe. Test after test, moment after moment, Abraham was tested, but he always said yes. He always showed up. And then 
we come to Genesis 22 where he's discovered that he has to make the ultimate sacrifice to give up his son, his only son, Isaac. So we begin to read in, in Genesis 22, verse 1. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Okay, we can stop right there. It says, after these things, after these things, meaning after all these tests and trials that Abraham went through, after these things, he says this, to offer up your son. You know, God didn't ask Abraham to sacrifice his son on day one of his ministry. There was a season of education. There was a season of testing for Abraham. And the same is true for many of us. I know that the world is crazy and our life is just sometimes out of control and we don't know if we can make it, but we can understand that God prepared us for this moment. There's no way that you'd be experiencing what you're experiencing now 10 years ago. Because the past 10 years, God's been planning you for this moment, just like he was planning Abraham for this moment. But it's funny how we, how we look at tests. We hear it all the time. We hear it from our family and friends. We've even said it too. So they're saying, man, God is just testing me right now. And it is very hard. I'm just being tested by God. And we look at tested by God as a bad thing. I kind of think... Sometimes I kind of feel like we see it test like, you know, we're one of those test dummies in the car and the vehicle head on collision thing, you know, and it hits the wall. Either we're going to make it or we're not, right? Or we have, we see test as a memory from school when you had to take a test and if you didn't pass, you failed. You didn't advance to the next level. So when we think of test, fear comes over us because I'm not very good with that. But what is a test? A test, like for our children right now, they take tests. And what's it for? It's for the teacher to discover what the child has obtained during the season of education. They discover the, the child's strong points, the strong areas, where they're weak at, where, they need pay, where the teacher needs to pay more attention, right? Maybe this child is learning a lot more over here, but not so over here. So I know that I need to pay more attention and really help this child with this, right? Does that make sense, church? So with my, my son, there's many things we're working for, working on with him. But then I know his weakness is over here. So I'm going to really focus on this. I'm, now I'm discovering he's really strong in this so we can pull off just a little bit, right? And I'm not to fail my son or our children in school. It's to figure out where they need more work. Our spiritual tests are not trials to fail you, yet to deepen our capacity to obey God and in turn to develop our character. Our spiritual tests are not trials to fail, yet to deepen our capacity to obey God and turn to, and in turn to develop our character. Abraham's character was this. He was, believing Abra- he was believing Abraham. And I believe today if Abraham stood before us, And he had an encouraging word for us. He would tell us, obedience is hard, but I tell you, regret is worse. Obedience is and will be hard, but the regret of it will be worse. You know, I've always had this thought that if I kept saying no, my yes would run out with God. 
If I kept saying no and not standing up for the moment when he called me and said, Brett, I call you to do this. No, I can't do it. (laughs) Not today. Hey, why don't you do this? No. At what point, maybe, this was just my thought, at what point would God just provide someone else? Because my yes ran out. But I'm so thankful for the moment when I first said yes to Jesus and accepted him in my heart. That was the biggest decision I made in my entire life. And But then guess what? That equipped me for my next decision to say yes to every Sunday, going to church. And then guess what? He said, you need to not only go on Sunday, but Wednesday as well. <laughs> what? All right, here I go. And then to serve, I kept having to say yes. And it made, then I started getting a, a track record going, right? And started getting easier. And then, so when that moment came and he said, Brett, you and your wife are going to go to Africa. I'm like, say what? <laughs> You're going. And I tell you, we only had like two months to get all of our funds, our passport and everything. And all that was easy. All the finances, all the passport, everything we needed came in like that. The hardest thing about the entire decision was saying yes. But God had prepared me for it. I'm so thankful that I said yes. Before then, I just felt like I was just running around knowing one thing is that where I was then was not where I wanted to be. And if that's you today, church, wherever you may be, if you're just running around knowing that wherever you are right now is not where you want to be, today is the new day to start a new track record where you can say yes. To say yes. And I tell you, you say yes today because you regret of not saying yes tomorrow. Does that make sense? That didn't make sense. (laughs) Say yes, okay? (laughs) Let's just move on. (laughs) But the way to Abraham, he said, said, his yes was, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Use me. And then we go on to verse 3. He says, here I am. And God says, you know, take your son. What's next? He says, so Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place where God had told him about. Okay, let's stop there. It says, Abraham got up early. Well, no joke, because I'm not going to lie. We, we can't miss out on the emotion of Scripture. Real easy. We can read Scripture and just get through the story and miss so much. I cannot sleep on Christmas Eve because of Christmas. I eventually thought I would outgrow it as an adult, but I have not yet. <laughs> Every Christmas Eve, I'm so excited for Christmas. I can't, play with, I can't wait to play with toys, right? That's just Christmas. If God called me to say, hey, you're going to sacrifice your son. I need you to get prepared. I'm not sleeping, right? I know Abraham is believing Abraham. I get it, but this is a new season. He's not experienced this before. And he probably was like, say what? God, can you say that again? Uh, you want me to do what? And he's like, yeah, you're going to do that. Oh, man. God, I don't know if I can do this. This is something new for me. Right? I don't think he's sleeping. So when it says he got up early, yeah, I get it. And then, but something doesn't say in the scripture. It's probably a good thing. But how did it go when he told his wife? Men, you know this. Come on. <laughs> you know when accidentally you're talking to your wife or if you don't have a wife or your mom and you maybe did something, you said something you're not supposed to, what do you do automatically? You're all, not looking at her. Because why? Why are you not going to look? Because what's next? It's the look, right? 
something's said, and I just sense it with my wife. And when it's coming, I'm like, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I was like, I think I hear this kitchen sink dripping. I need to go fix that real fast, right? Because I don't want to face this situation. So yeah, there was probably a split household. I can only imagine because Abraham had this God moment and now he's going to tell his wife, hey, this is what I got to do. Say what? And we can really relate to this. That's why I say we can't forget the emotion because I believe that there's probably a split house for a little while. And we can relate to this right now, church, because our world is split everywhere. Our government split, our cities are split, our homes are split. Everywhere we go, we're just like tiptoeing around everywhere, not to want make someone else mad. And to be honest, I'm mad too, right? We're all frustrated. I get so frustrated whenever I just go in the store and what did I forget? I forgot my mask. I'm like, ah, I gotta walk back out to the car. I was in the parking lot yesterday and it's just so funny. Like all these men that I see and it's like snowing, they're running back to get their mask. I get so frustrated whenever I forget, right? It just makes me mad. Then I'm like, now this and this, that. Now I've got to, right? Just one little thing. Just make us all explode. I spoke with Pastor Josh this week and he had some wise words. He said this. He said that he has learned that it seems that anger comes out from the desire to control. Anger comes out from the desire to control. I feel we can all understand this because right now we're living in a world that we just feel like we have zero control in anything that we do. So it makes sense. This made all kinds of sense to me that with just frustration right now, because we just have no sense of control. Got to remember what Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak, so we have to watch. We have to pray so we don't go into temptation. Josh, he did say, he said, Man, I've learned and I've had to establish this in my life that it's whenever I feel tested, whenever I feel angered, I can't get to prayer fast enough. We are all experiencing the weight of the world in our own little world right now. And the outcome can be anger because we feel like we don't have any control. So we need to learn to pray off the weight of control and pray faith on. Pray off the weight of control and pray our faith on, to pray trust on. Because when we pray, we shift the weight of this world from us into God. Because he is the only one strong enough and intended to hold that weight. I like to brag my wife just real fast. Real quickly, because this makes sense to me, because I remember when she was pregnant with our daughter, we began to follow, attend a class that taught us a whole lot more about labor. So whenever you're at the hospital, it's, it's called like taking control of, of your labor, right? And you can learn all these things, what all the doctors are, what they're saying, what it means. And then while you're learning all this stuff, it also equips you and teaches you to how, how to have a home birth. And, but that's not what we we're going to do. We we're going to have it in the hospital, <laughs> But then they, she, this lady taught us how to make a list of our goals, our desires, our wants while uh, she would go into labor. And we prepared this list and was talking to our, the day we had to talk to our doctor about it. Right, I mean, this is our goal. This is what we're shooting for. If we can, this is what we would like to do. And somehow with all that, it didn't come off very well with him. I guess he thought that we were just not believing in him. We didn't trust him, which we did. But anyways, didn't take it that way. And the next day we found out he dropped us and she was 32 weeks. 
And we didn't know then, but we know afterwards that um, no other doctor will pick you up after that. <laughs> You're just kind of on your own. And my wife was so frustrated and angry, which now I can see because no control, right? A couple of days later, she comes up to me and her attitude was different. It was calm. It was peaceful. She said, Brad, I, I was praying and God gave me a vision and we were doing a home birth. I was like, huh? <laughs> He's like, yeah, we're, do, we're doing a home birth. And there was praise and worship music playing in the background. Between every contraction, we were praising God. I was like, <laughs> are you serious? She was like, yeah, this is what we're doing. And I tell you, before I even went to prayer myself, I said yes. Because I could see the Spirit of God moving on her, that she received the word. That all the anger... The, the, the desire to control was gone. And she said, this is what we're doing. Remember Psalms 46, says, Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm still here. When we pray, he removes the burden and helps us to be reminded of his presence in our life. We cannot forget all the blessing, blessings God has done for you in the past or you're opt to minimize his ability to guide you in the future. We can't forget. And that's what prayer will do. will lift the burden and remind us. Kinder made a, 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 this little board in my office. It's this sign and has all these encouraging words, stuff from our past. 2010 was like a crazy year. It was a, one of the hardest years, but it was one of the best years. We have all these names and words and song titles. And she wrote them all down on a picture. And I have it in my office because every day I can see those words. And it reminds me of what he's done for me. Psalms 43.8 says this, Let me hear you in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. I will follow the steps of Abraham, wake up early in the morning in his presence, and be reminded of the blessings uh, of the past, that, that remind me of the blessings that God has given me in the past to lead me, to remind me to continue to go forward. So that's what I believe. Abraham had to get up early and pray and be reminded of how God always showed up for him. So that would lead him to say, let's do this. We pick up in back verse four. On the third day, Abraham, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back. We don't have, I don't really have time to talk about this, but I love this. He was believing right here. He said, we will go over there, but we'll come back. Somehow, he didn't know how, but he knew that somehow him and his son would come back. We will come back to you. Verse six, Abraham looked, took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And in his hand, he took the fire and knife and the two men walked on together. All right, stop again. This, this is something else I like to talk about. We don't have time for, but he had to keep the fire going. This was a three-day travel. And for three days, he had to keep the fire. It doesn't really tell us how he kept the fire, if there was like a stick with fire on it or a hot coal or flint to start a fire. But if I was him, I don't know if I'd, let, I'd keep that fire going. Oh, it went out. Man, where did you put that flint? It was around here somewhere, right? Where's that coal? Oh, it went out. The wind blew it out. I think I would have let it out. But for three days, he had to make sure that fire kept going. Wow. 
And the two of them walked together. Then Isaac spoke to his father. Abraham said, my father. And he replied, here I am, my son. If you're a father and you have a son and you're about to, you know, maybe your son's about to be tested or you're about to go in a moment and your son looks up to you and say, father, what's going on? Can't forget the motion of this moment, church. And he's saying, son, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Because Isaac, he said, I skipped that. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering, dad? He says, son, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. And he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. We, okay, we read and we think Isaac is like this little boy, but it's, it's been said they believe that he was 37 years old. He's about my age. And if my dad was doing that, I don't know if I'd understand the situation. And then one thing I like to think that Abraham said, hey, young man, you stay here because me and Isaac, we got something we got to go do. Because he, he probably didn't want them to see what was about to happen and all the emotion and all the yelling because and all the tears. He's bounding his son. And I don't know if I was his son, if I was Isaac, I'd be, dad, what are you doing? Dad, what are you doing? I don't like this, son. Just trust. We've got to keep moving forward, son. Just keep going. Dad, I don't get it. I'm not understanding this moment. And we, many of us can find ourselves here and it feels like everything's coming to an end. And if you're like Isaac, everything's coming to an end. I know there's times I just get so frustrated and it's not, it's just like, it's out of my control. Sometimes I feel that I'm reaping the benefits of someone else. I believe that Isaac was like, dude, how did I, how do I get here? I didn't do nothing. Have you ever found yourself in that situation? You're just like, what you're going through is not because of anything that you did. It was because of someone else. Just some things are out of our control. And I can totally, totally believe that Abraham was like, can I just go back, God? This is not comfortable. Some days I just feel like life is just too much. But then I got to remember that I'm still in control of my yes. Even though the life is just out of control, I'm still in control of my yes. When things are at their worst, Abraham still pushes forward. And in verse 11, it says, And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. <laughs> here I am. Yes. Right. I, might, I probably would have done that a couple of times. Yes. <laughs> then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham took up. And saw, looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. A couple of weeks ago, I was in, as an AT&T store and I was getting a new phone and I was talking to this guy and uh, he was telling me about, he was involved in church and they had this artist that come and draws a picture during worship and during the message. I was like, that's cool. He's like, yeah, you should see this one picture he did. It's totally rocked my world. I was like, what is it? It's Abraham and Isaac. I was like, are you serious? No, I'm about to be speaking on that. Can you send me this picture? Look at this picture, church. That ram's still over there. We can't forget emotion of scripture. 
I look at that and it says that he ran and he said afterwards he saw the ram and went and got him and then put him on the altar instead of his son. At that moment, I don't think I could take the rope off fast enough. And then look at his, Abraham's face, the warm embrace of grabbing his son. I'll get to the ram in a minute. Thank you, God, for showing up. And I just love this moment saying in the time of just chaos, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for showing up. Thank you for providing. I just see on his face a faith of victory. Abraham believed that God would show up. Afterwards, it says that Abraham uh, named the place the Lord will provide, which is Jehovah Jireh. And the Latin word provide means to see. Our Heavenly Father sees our needs and with his unending love prepares the supply. He sees to need to supply it. And in, in the, as he's providing, he is seen. When we pour ourselves into this truth, into his word, during the, our testing seasons, he will see to it that, he will, that we will not be ashamed and that the road ahead will be cleared because he sees us. He will provide, means he sees. He sees the need and he sees to provide it. So I dare you to be seen today. I dare you to be seen by God. Do you dare to follow wherever he leads? Because right now, social media drives us to be seen and to want to be seen, right? Everything that we do, good times or bad times, I'm going to post it to social media so that I can kind of get this little small feel that I'm going to be seen. Every time someone likes it, every time someone comments, I I feel like I've been seen. And we just post, post, post. And not saying it's a bad thing, but we're desiring to be seen by something and it's, all, it's not completely filling us because only God can provide that. To know that we are fully seen by our Father. So we must stop asking people to meet the needs that only God can meet for us. And like Curtis said a few weeks ago, that it's time that we put our stake in the ground and to stand up for our family, to draw the line in the sand. And I tell you, when you do that, you, you do not do it alone. That Jesus stakes his stake in you, which is the cross, when you do that. Matthew 20, 19, 26, he says, With man it is impossible, but with God all things is possible. And at the same place right now, in this moment, when Abraham had to go sacrifice his son Isaac on that same mountain in the land of Moriah, on that Mount Moriah, God was testing Abraham to carry the wood up to the mountain to sacrifice the son for the next generations. But then he stops and says, no, don't do it. I will provide. Many years later, same mountain, Jesus would take the wood on his back, just like Isaac, and follow his father to the same mountain in the exact same place and put the cross and Jesus would be sacrificed. What? Wow. What no man can accomplish, God will. So when you stake your ground, you have great authority behind you, church. Sometimes the miracle is not figuring it all out. The miracle is that we just keep showing up and and believe that God will show up too. So here's my final question for you. At what point have you gone from who you are to who who you were told to be? When have you gone from who you were to who, were, who God has told you, who others have told you to be? 
when the seasons are out of control, when the past seems more desirable, we must not count on people meeting our needs with what only God can meet for us. God sees you this morning. Even in the tornado of uncontrol, he will see to provide for you. Let him forge your character in this season and don't give up. I want to encourage you if you're at home, wherever you may be watching, or if you're here this morning, maybe you just need to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to say my first yes to you. If you want to accept Christ into your heart, I just pray if you're in your living room right now, I just want to encourage you to take a knee and to say for your first time, we're going to create a new track record. And we're saying, Jesus, here I am. He will provide the next step for you and he will show up. Maybe for us this morning, maybe we had a hard week. And we just need a moment to say, Jesus, I need your help. I have zero control. I'm really starting to get frustrated. And I don't know what to do. Just say, Jesus, here I am. And go to prayer. Go to prayer and let him lift the weight of the world off your shoulders. And I promise he sees you and he'll see to provide your need. So if you'll stand with me. And for those at home, let's circle up and grab your family. And let's pray. Father, it's so easy for us to worry. Please take from us the burden of all these things that we've been thinking about. I just ask that for a refresh, refreshment of our spirit, a fresh fire in our soul. God, we believe in you. But I know that even through all the craziness, if I don't see you today, I will still believe you. If I sometimes I might can't see you in the moment of the tornado and just feel like it's just coming to an end, I will still believe. Just like Abraham as an example, I will believe you will show up. God, help us to walk in that faith. Help us to receive this morning a fresh wind into our soul. Help us to create a new track record that says, yes, of all the craziness, I will still say yes. God, we love you. We thank you. I pray that you just keep us safe today. Keep us warm. Let's be with our families. And we just continue to pray for the youth as they drive home. Lord, it's your name we pray. Amen.